In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. Hey, welcome to EMS Office Hours. This is Jim Hoffman. And this is Josh Knapp. Josh, um, how you doing, man? All right, here we are in October. Off to some of the shows, I guess, that we talked about starting up. Yeah, well, you know what? It's uh, We gave folks a, a heads up, and um, I don't know why I can't... Uh, What's the matter? I'm having trouble here with this stupid blog talk. Um, what are you trying to do? Stop the audio feed from oh. joining. Oh. All right. I'm there. All right. Right. While you're figuring that out, I'm just going to say, of course, that this episode is sponsored by EMS Manager. Um, go check them out at emsmanager.net, and you can get a free trial of their innovative and easy to use. EMS employee scheduling and management software, and uh, I'll play a little bit about that later on in the show to give some more information on how the listeners can get a hold of that free trial. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, we did a little bit of that teaser, um, you know, last week I guess it was, and and you know, kind of talked about some of the things that we'd like to cover. Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to get that onto uh, sort of the record, you know, so people had a chance to, right. the listeners had a chance to, to figure it out, respond, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if they wanted us either to change the subject or to add something, uh, there was advance notice right. uh, to get the conversation going. Because right. this is important stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean... Look, we're never out here to solve the problem. We can't, you know, but no. part of the solution I gave up trying is to solve the problems. Oh, my God. You know. Yeah. I, give, I give up trying to solve the problems. I'm just now now I think I'm just like in stir the pot mode and get everybody else to try to solve But that's the how you start a revolution, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we hope. Anyway, listen, you know, uh I invited my friend Dave. Yeah, I'm uh, actually looking now for your him. friend now. Yeah, I'm actually looking for him right now, so I can um, standing by and drag him, our drag him in to the conversation. Let's see if we can do this. So I don't have. My, I'm not. Like I said before the show, I don't have my mouse. So you are working crippled. I'm working like a spaz here, trying to drag people over. I think. Well, that's because your phone book is so big, you just can't get around. That's that's really what it is. You just are so popular. You know, so many people. Mm -hmm. Well, I I give a shout out to, um, to hey. John and Tina in the uh, chat room. Dave, are you with us? Is that you? That's me. How are you, Jim? Right. Josh, how are you? Hey, Dave. How's it going, man? All is well here. A little bit of uh, technical magic here, getting you uh, onto the call oh, as yeah. well. This is that seems to have worked. This is the <laughs> internet, yeah, internet, um, you know, magic here going on. Yeah. So, um, 
You know, Dave, I know you couldn't join us last week uh, because you were out doing your difficult airway. I hope it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> it was a great course. And now you're set to be, you're an instructor in it now, right? I, I am, that's correct. Well, that's what the course was for, Dave. It was to become an instructor for it. That's right, and to, okay. uh, and to become a, a coordinator or a director. And I think it was the first time they ever offered the course uh, oh, yeah. ever. Yeah. Oh, cool. For the instructors. They're looking to expand. It's a great course. It's a great course. I've heard good things about it in the past from people that have taken it. Yep. I'm, I, I was thrilled. I was thrilled when I took it. That's why I wanted to become an instructor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because who do you find, you know, you've taken the course and you've seen, you've recommended it to people. You've seen the people who go. Who do you find goes to, to and takes it? Well, you know, when I was there, uh, of course, there were a, a lot of medics. There were uh, there was an interesting group of people from Korea, uh, medics and physician, uh, that were there. It was it was, you know, they have several courses. This difficult airway group. This this one was difficult airway EMS. They have another one for anesthesi anesthesiologists. They have another one for ED physicians as well. So mostly, you get EMS folks there. So it's a different, it's sort of a different course then for the EMS. Uh, it's like tailored for the EMS uh, people. It's tailored. It's tailored, but really the foundation is the same. It's it's more about just uh, trying to stick to the scope of practice uh, and make it more relevant. And you, we don't need to know everything an anesthesiologist needs to know. Right, and, right. But uh, it makes sense. It, it, yeah, it does. And the, but the tricks. The tricks. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to call them tricks. The uh, the toolbox that they provide is a terrific toolbox. Yeah. It's all. It's all the science. The variety of tech techniques that you have. That's correct. Let me ask you. Let me ask you though. I mean, you know, before we get into the the primary topic for tonight, though, like, do, do you find that 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 type of a course is going to still be as useful when you see so much where they're trying to take away the intubation? And, from medics out in the street and push more on the combi tube and the king tubes and other, you know, alternate airways? You know, the the bottom line for this course, and I really can't get away from that, is that science talks. So if if we're good at what we do, we're going to get more airways, we're gonna we're gonna put in the endotracheal tubes if that appears to be the right thing to do. Um and uh with with less failed airways with you know, I, in the emergency room, you have a failed airway. The interventions they can do there are, are certainly uh, uh, more yeah. extensive than ours. I, I don't know about you. Um, I've, I've done two needle crikes in my life. I haven't done any uh, yeah. surgical crikes uh, in the emergency room. They don't do needle crikes. I, I don't think that needle crikes are a great idea at, the, at any point. Were they and, successful at all? Well, I put a hole in a person's throat, and uh, you know, we got air into the lungs, but... You couldn't get air out, and uh, yeah. if you're truly choking, how much air can you put in without causing extensive barotrauma? I mean, it's it's meant to buy time. It was it wasn't good. Yeah, right. You know, in all honestly, in all honesty, it, I don't think it's a great technique. Uh, and if that's if that's our only recourse, if we mess up, then we're in bad shape. Hmm. So. Um, well, you we know have... what? There's there's other proven methods out there, and it's like what Jim was saying, sort of saying. It's not where we want to push this conversation. Although this is probably a good conversation to have in the future, but uh, 
you know, if well, I, I'll say this, Josh. I mean, it, it's not doesn't it's not um, the the topic of the show tonight, but I think it, it can sort of tie into the fact. Well, that's where I was well, going. Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, go, go. Man. No, I was gonna. Well, maybe you know, I can think somehow it can tie into into it a little bit because when you think about you know the title of tonight's show about being the EMS hobbyist and and. You talk about the people that don't do it full time, who don't have as much exposure to to you know what a full time uh, EMS provider would have. Um, you and know, I wanted to ask that. I sort of how do we I get proficient know, with that? How you know, do we get proficient? You, well, beyond that, what who did you find was taking this course when it came down to medics? Were they being paid for? Was their time being paid for? Were they taking vacation time? Or were they just doing it on, you know, doing from another job and they're just interested in improving their skill sets? No, that's a good question. It was it was a mixed bag. I can tell you that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, so I'll let the cat out of the bag. I'm a volunteer and my, uh, my department paid for myself and an, another member to go in and take the class. And uh, along with us were many uh, career medics. And uh, some fresh, some folks that were fresh out of medic school. It's, you know, uh, if you want to improve your skills, that's not a bad time to do it. I, you know, mm -hmm. if it's my airway, I'd like them to know as much as they can <laughs> when, when they're coming to me. All right, and, and certainly everybody does their first. You know, first time a surgeon cuts you open is the first time they cut you open. Uh, I would like, to, I would like it to be like the four thousandth time. <laughs> right. And, I'm just wondering, though, you know, Dave. I know, I know you said you know you're a volunteer and, and all, but I'm just. Uh, were you always a volunteer? Did you did you do EMS full time? I mean, are you volunteering now, or is it something you started with and just stayed with because uh, of you know, uh, uh, I guess a loyalty to the Bali agency you were with? Or maybe something else. All right. So I, I've been a volunteer. I joined the fire department in. Um, you guys are sitting down, right? 1977. Yeah. 1977. I became an ALS provider in 1979. Um, and as time has gone on, I've become more and more and more active because I am sort of retired or semi-retired. And uh, I worked, I think, I worked a few and days. And have a passion for this. I love this. Mm -hmm. I love this. And, and, and if you ask me why I'm not doing it full-time, I can't afford to do it full-time. Mm. That's yet another discussion, huh? <laughs> well, it, well, it, you know what? Well, where I was, you know, just to recap real quick, you weren't able to join us last week, and Jim and I sort of went over some of the topics that you and I have discussed, and and the three of us have discussed, and we're really putting it down there that we're going to, you know, break out and and start, you know, focusing in on some of these issues, and you know, today is one of them where you know how you approach EMS does that matter? Uh, as much as if you get paid in EMS and you know coming on you know uh, almost hand in glove with that or dovetailing is you know how we get paid you know can you can you work a single job and raise a family in, in EMS life uh, and, and we're gonna go on and about you know the education standards and things like that but the first tip of the iceberg is I think how do these people get involved and stay involved? And, and I know you count yourself as a volunteer, Dave, but you, you know, you were a professional, you, and I think you're still doing it, right? You're a professional paramedic instructor right now. I instruct paramedics, yep. 
Okay. So, and you I, know, I'm, and you get paid for that. You know, you went a different way because you had to raise a family and, you know, you used education and academia as your foundation, but that's how you kept your roots in EMS fresh. That's true. That's true. But no, it, helps, it helps keep my skills up, too. So isn't that a little bit different than the guy who runs, you know, um, a chicken franchise or a hardware or is a clerk at a hardware store, and then, you know, when the when the beeper goes off, he, he drives like crazy to his local firehouse and jumps on the ambulance? And they may, I have to say this, they may drive very appropriately on their way to the firehouse as well. And jump on the ambulance. <laughs> yes. And okay. just so you know, just okay. so you know, when I was doing my paramedic rotations in New York City with professionals, I won't mention the, the core, the agency, the hospital, uh -huh. we were responding to a, uh, a chest uh, person, patient shot in the chest. And for some people, the trauma calls are, are the adrenaline flows. Mm -hmm. And we, we were doing, we were doing probably 70, 80 miles an hour in South Jamaica. And I, I'm screaming from the back. I said, stop, you got to stop. They stopped and I got off the ambulance. And that was it. I walked back to the hospital and I went. Uh, they were crazy. All right. They were paid. So just. So you're saying that, that actually getting a paycheck doesn't denote whether or not you do this job professionally? Um, yes. It just says whether or not you're doing it for money. And, and along with that, when you're doing it for money and you're doing it all the time, you do have a lot of exposure and you do have a real opportunity to hone your skills. That is, that is without a doubt. And I know some volunteers who do it a lot as well. Certainly not as much as the person, most people who are doing it. Um, you know, it would be nice if I could say 40 hours a week, but I've, I've been doing some informal assessment. And because I, when I teach a lot of classes beyond the paramedic, uh, you were in one of them, that 12 week class. And I say, how many, how many of you work only one job? Right. This is my point exactly. And how many hands went up? One? <laughs> right. None? One to none. That's the way it is. And, and in, the, in my department where we hire, full we hire medics, and we have a medic 24-7, part-time. They're part-timers. They're all working somewhere else full-time, and they're all working somewhere else part-time. As well. Yeah, you know, and this is one of the things that I harp on uh, on this show, uh, Dave, is that we need to have, because I've been out, I'm an older guy. I mean, I'm not quite, you know, as, uh, as, as, uh, <laughs> you're not my age, <laughs> as, as ancient as you. Uh, but I, I've been around the block once or twice, and you know my body's shown no a little worse for the wear for it. And uh, you know I have been out on you know rehabilitation a couple of times, and I stress that you cannot do only this job. You cannot work three or four EMS jobs and think you have security because you blow yourself out on one and you're out on all of them. Yeah, that's that's quite true, right? So the question nice, is nice to have another plan. Well, the question is, what, how do you get that other plan? How do you make that happen? That's the million-dollar question. Well, what's the, some of the, some of the people? The other plan is is that they own the deli. How's that? Yeah, right, but the problem that I that I have with with this is that the people that do it part time that are volunteers or they're uh, 
uh, they work in a deli, they're a lawyer, whatever the case may be, it could be anywhere, any part of the spectrum, and they're doing it part-time to make extra money in EMS, but they're volunteering, you know, to, to because they like the adrenaline rush or because they like to help the community, whatever the case may be. You know, to, to me, these people are enabling the, 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 the agencies to not pay enough money to the full-time providers, to not offer enough job uh, security, because you've got people waiting in the wings who will jump in in two seconds and do it part-time or do it for free. And then the rest of us that are counting on it for our livelihood are forced to do to 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 do another to take a part time job because you know it, it, we have to make up the you know, the difference of of money. Oh, what know? a tangled web we. And made. then they talk about you know, and you want to talk about education and and things like that, and and the big push, and we push on this show too about having an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree to be a paramedic, and blah blah blah. But then. You be you get that degree, and now you're sitting there in the ambulance, and the guy next to you is, you know, doesn't have a bachelor's degree. He's doing it for free, and you're getting paid shit oh. money. Oh, Jim, you Jim, I, I, I get that, but the guy next to you, who's also getting paid your salary, when, and when you're working, when you're working the job, when you're doing it for a living, and you're side by side on the ambulance with the guy who is also working for a living. Yeah. And you've got a bachelor's or a master's degree, and they have a high school diploma, and they're a paramedic. Right. I say, I say it's not the volunteers holding you back. I say it's the paramedics holding us back. Let me tell you what we need to do. And I don't want to stay on this too long. But you, people will not whimsically, and if you want to call it whimsically, I mean, first of all, EMT. EMT class, uh, when I started, was an 81-hour class. All right, so now uh, most of the classes are about 175 hours. If you can become a, an EMS professional, an EMT, with a 175-hour class and expect to have any exclusivity, you're dreaming. You're dreaming. Uh, paramedics, it, listen, I know. I know this is a long course. It's 1,500 hours. But if you want, if you want to have a, a, a profession where people don't drop in, you need to have an associate's degree required for everybody. Draw that line in the sand, and Josh knows I'm... I'm right, but the problem that I see, Dave, is that, that nobody's willing to draw that line in the sand because people continue to do it for free, and people continue right. to look and at it look at it as a side job, look at it as a stepping stone to something else. Well, Jim, who's going to draw the line in the sand? Well, I, I, I mean, schools I'll have well, to draw the line. Well, state agencies have to draw the argument. line. I mean, wow. But, Guys, uh, this is part of the argument. If you know, it's not exactly drawing a line in the sand. It's not exactly don't cross this line. Um, it's more of if you provide a service for nothing, you know, and not that EMS is for nothing because you still have the equipment, you still have that stuff. Right. But if the training's on you, about that, if, about, if, you know, if, if it's the, not free for voluntary. The majority of the, if your hours, if the, it, look, every time you turn around nowadays in business, they're cutting back. Where do they cut back? They fire people. Why? Because it's more, it's more expensive overall payroll uh, than it is to uh, close an office you know, or to stop paying rent on an office. It's easier to, to, to scale that, and it's, it's a bigger hit to the bottom line budget. So when you provide man hours for free, and that's essentially what volunteers do, you are equipping an EMS system with its essential component, and you're uh, allowing it to run. 
And there's got to be a, a point when we when we turn around and say, yeah, but so you either make a career in this, and a career is something that you can raise a family, you can meet your monetary needs, not just you know buy a nice car or you know rent a place, but but live, you know, or you know. Oh, it's a it's a, a all volunteer ser, ser, uh, service. I'm not sure that the two are completely compatible, and I think that's where we run into this. You know, education standards sort of walk hand in hand with money. Yes. Well, yes. my thing is to yeah, go to the next step. Go for it. But so we can't say that and stop there. If you raise the well, it was that was a lead in for you, but if you want. <laughs> If you if you raise the education standards, hopefully the money will follow. But the question is, if people are willing to pay for that education on their own and still provide their time for free, will that actually happen? So, what are you yeah. going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I I still say. It's about uh, this listen, when I when I got my when I got my <laughs> paramedic. About it. When I got my paramedic, I had three graduate degrees. Paramedic is a is a terrific course of study. It's worth a degree. It's worth a degree. Well, you had a great, great discourse on what it takes to be a paramedic. And, and this is the thing that sort of brought us together when, you know, I was in your 12-week class, is the combination uh, and I just want to let you have at it because the combination of things, and you said it really eloquently, was is not a standard that a lot of people can can handle, and it's certainly not a standard that's taught anywhere else. It's sort of unique to us, isn't it? It is. It is. I don't remember what I said. If I said something that good, I should have written it down. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, essentially, you said, "Listen, we got to be in the field." We have to be internists because we have to go and decide what's going on with that bellyache. We right. have to be uh, respiratory therapists because we have to control, you know, that airway and, and definitively control it. And we and decide how what level of uh, of intervention is needed in that control. It's not a recipe. It's not you know as much as the stuff that comes out nowadays about cookbook medics and this, this, the same old, uh, you know, red top, green top, blue top, it isn't uh, like that. Because, yeah, even though you might have, yeah, you might have, you know, your epi with one top, your atropine with another top, you know, you still have to know what you have to pull out for that. You have to know what the condition is that's going to require that drug. So we have to be respiratory therapists and we have to be cardiologists. And... Let me ask you, how many nurses are qualified to do that at a nursing school? Out of nursing school? Right. With none. Okay. And they none. have a, they have a two minimum to four-year degree. There are a few. There's only one or two cert certificate courses left in the country, and they're going away quickly. Why? Well, in New York State, you've got to be a, a, BF, a bachelor's within 10 years of graduation. I know. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yes, I believe, I believe that's right. The RNs now, they have to have a bachelor's in 10 years. Does that sound right? Because uh, we still have RN programs at the community colleges. No, I think, you, I think you can get away with an associate's, but there are more and more schools and uh, hospitals that are going not to... A, not anymore. I don't think so. I think it changed in 2012. Oh, did it? But they okay. got 10 years to get their BSN. 
Okay. Because I know that uh, all the hospitals are requiring it or, or put a deadline on it, and I didn't know that was state regulated. So you, you asked something, uh, or, or, or Jim might have said something uh, a little while back in the conversation, and, and I think if we're waiting for the Department of Health, if we are waiting for employers to tell us we need an associate's degree, we are at their mercy. Well, you're not going to get employers to do it because they're happy uh, paying crap uh, and, and getting free labor or cheap labor. This is what I think, Jim. I think we, the paramedics, and I'm the wrong guy. You guys may be better, I, I, and I may have a role in it, but I think I'm the wrong guy. Uh, we need to get all the, the medics, the, you know, the, the paid medics, the, the volunteers, but mostly the paid medics need to get themselves an assemblyman or a uh, state senator and say, listen, we want you to sponsor a bill that says by January 1st, 2016, nobody in New York State becomes a paramedic for the first time who doesn't have an associate's degree. If you are currently a paramedic in New York State, you can refresh for the next 3,000 years. That'll cover everybody. That'll never come from the workforce. If, never. If it, it doesn't can't. Come from, it, if it doesn't, well, it will, because they'll sponsor anything with it where people say they'll vote for them. Without that, it. No, oh, no, no, I agree. That's true. But how, it, you know, the, nowadays, and one, this is one of those uh, sort of wake-up moments that I had uh, uh, last year, was when I was in the CC class, they were talking about what changes, what makes our job safer. And legislation is one of the primary ways our job is safer. You can't, you can't rely on the enlightenment of the workforce, you know, to ensure uh, a good working environment. It has to be legislated. Well, and, the original OSHA stuff was right. from the groundswell of workers. Right. We, we went, and we, not me, not me. But it came from us saying too many of us are dying from hepatitis B. But you had unions that represented hospital workers. And the trouble is, is those unions don't specialize, yeah, specialize in, in, for EMS. You have a couple, you have 1199, what they're really for the housekeepers and housekeepers. You know, I mean, uh, how about, okay, let's go with uh, uh, EMS organizations. How about the NA, you know, uh, uh, NAEMT? How about it? How about we, it? We, we will what do you got there? They can't will. even stop Johnson & Johnson from running a commercial that's basically insulting to all people who ride an ambulance. Uh, yes. We will either make the change, watch what happens and, and be responsible for it, or wonder what happens and how we, or the very worst, have the same conversation in 10 years. I, 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 honestly, I think we're going to be having the same conversation in 10 years because I think that we just have too many people that are just trying to keep their head above water that they don't see um, a they change don't, like that happening. And they don't want – listen, you lifetime. have a guy, and, and here it is. You said it at the beginning of the show, Dave, and I don't mean – this isn't an attack Dave Day. You know, I, I know in some cases we're putting you on the spot, but you're you're with well, us. Not the in, first time. You know, right. And you're with us in this whole mind. I mean, we're really sort of just tearing apart the argument. But the thing you said in the beginning was, you know, you were you were taking an informal survey and you said how many people work one job? And and it's kinda and it's kinda funny because twenty years ago it might have been just the opposite. How many people are working two jobs? But this is something that's changed for generally the entire working class is that you need 
you need multiple opportunities to make money. And so you have all these guys working two, three jobs. When do they have time to get proactive with legislation? So what's in it for the people who do this as a part-time gig to raise the standards of education? That's more hours that they're going to have to spend to that. by it's the end of them. It's a threat. You, if you start, you know, wanting to have more education and and putting this out there, it's a threat to the people that um, have no interest in doing that, and a threat to the people who are doing it part time or doing it as a volunteer. That all of a sudden, you know, you're going to require more from them, you know, and they're going to be like, well, I'm doing this for free. How about I just show up and you be happy with that, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, listen, the the, the there's a, there's a couple of actual associations that started um, in New York. Uh, the Hudson Valley Paramedics Association started. Right. There was one for, for uh, New York State, um, New, York, New York City Paramedics that started. And their, their goal was to raise education standards and to make it from a certification to a license and try to get this recognition and get more career options and career growth and stuff like that. And it goes nowhere because you get a, a bunch of people that join it and all they want is a sticker for their car and some kind of a patch they can, they can put on their, their jump bag and say they belong to this organization. They, you know, been there, got the t-shirt type mentality. I mean, yeah, I mean, That's it's always seemed to be that some of these organizations just become a, 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 a theater for their own, uh, uh, you know, the own gentleness. entertainment. Right. And there's nothing against. Listen, I, I one thing I want to make clear too in the show here, not, not too. We're not. I'm not trying to bash volunteers or bash people that do this part time, or or uh, or even bash the organizations. Or, well, right, maybe. Yeah, but my my <laughs> what I'm trying to ask is, is is does all of this end up hurting the profession by, by continuing it? You know, we we can't seem to get to the next level. We can't seem to move on to where everybody that that always just saying, oh, we need more money, we need more benefits, we need a better career path, blah, blah, blah. But, the, you know, it's like, but nobody wants to, to own the fact that these types of things might be hurting us and holding us back from making these next steps. And Dave, just a point of reference, one of the things that I've said on this show for uh, many years is that we own it. You know, we within the EMS community, we may bitch about this, we may observe this, we may say this needs to be fixed, but in the truth, as you pointed out early as well, this comes down to us that we have to make these moves. But I think we do. So, you know, in your, in your mind, making these moves would be organiz, organi, organizing so we have a more singular voice. I would say so, and I think it's gonna it's gonna there'll be a pain in the process. If, oh, yeah. if not 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 the very least of which is time, as Jim was pointing out. Who's got time for this when you're working four jobs? But if you don't do it, it's not going to change. And I, I I'll point something else out at the risk of annoying a lot of people, and I and I will, and I do. Yes. Um, well, get uh, your emails. Oh, so well, you don't feel so lonely. Um, <laughs> I I think the people who volunteer. First of all, I, a couple of a couple of quick things. In the town of in the town that I live in, there's approximately 50 folks who volunteer at EMT and above level. EMT, the paramedic, can run the ambulances with one paid medic on 24/7 just to guarantee 
uh, an initial response to the very first call. And you said 50, five I said, I said five zero, yes. Okay. Now, I'm going I'm to ask It's not a lot of people. Yeah. Um, how many volunteer nurses are there? None. Why is that? Because that they're not, I, I believe, and you may know better than I do, I'm sure you do, but I believe that they're just not allowed. That they're not allowed. That they're that. Well, there's an insurance standard. There's uh. There's they work. It's a couple of things. I think that if I, as I think about it, it it's sort of very apparent. Number one, the biggest one, is that they work under a license. So they have a different set of ownership of responsibilities than we do. Do you think so? I don't know. I, I absolutely do. I think in a license. You're more, uh, you're more responsible for your own actions. Where you work under a certification, you know, think about it. If you do something and you do it you know, with a, a certification, it goes to your medical director and, uh, or to the medical director of the system that you're in. And, you know, depending on where you lie, how bad it, everything is, is whether or not you can live or die. When it comes down to a license, there's a much more structured, state-organized, uh, you know, a license issuing. Uh, and, and, and why don't you want this event? Why don't you want this for EMS? I do want this for EMS. I think that that's, you, but the biggest problem that we face is that we're not <coughs> different between certification and license. I think that's one of the number one things that's in our way. Because at that point in time, once it's state managed and centrally managed, you know, the area protocols go away. You have a unified protocol. There's not confusion. You can move from area to area. Think of it right now, Dave. We're a very fractured community. We're a very, for a job, you know, listen, you work at Midas. You can go change mufflers and tires yeah. at this location south of Main Street. But north of Main Street, well, that's a different jurisdiction. And even though it's a muffler and a tire, and you're an expert at changing that, you need to go through an entire different set of testing, verification, certification, everything. So where's the where's the problem? You know, that's I think that's the first place that we that we hold near and dear is this idea of certification. And what and what do we attack as soon as we as soon as we get rid of the certification or become licensed? Everybody's fiefed them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I I, I had written a, um, a a blog post about that and, and uh, about and even an email I sent out to my to my list about that. And I got a lot of responses about the license versus certification uh, mentality from people who work in states that either have a license or have both. Um, and most of them say they don't see a. a, a a big difference in pay or responsibility or respect from anybody by having a license. The only thing that they find is that it costs them another X amount of dollars per year to yeah. to maintain it. Um, I, I think it's like, you know, it's they, like the only thing I was going to say. The only thing a union guarantees is union dues. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I want to mention one thing, but uh, before we get there, I want to. Um, uh, just talk a little bit about the sponsor, uh, about EMS Manager, guys. So if you want to just just take a we'll just take a quick um, two minute break here and uh, and uh, play the sponsor, and then we'll come right back. This episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. They have been consistently helping EMS agencies save time and energy with their innovative web-based software for staff scheduling and management. 
They have a mobile web app that's accessible from smartphones and other mobile devices with an easy-to-use web interface. It's viewable from anywhere on the World Wide Web. You can check your own schedule, and managers and staff can both oversee, manage, and make changes to employee schedules from anywhere. Anthony Tucci, who is the Deputy Chief in Western Berks EMS, that's over in Reading, Pennsylvania, shares with us that his overtime has been cut by 50% since he started using EMS Manager a year ago. He says our overtime went from 4,000 hours to last year to 2,000 hours this year. And he says this has been a huge financial savings for his agency. And why not? EMS Manager is affordable. It's priced based on the size of an organization. And because it's web-based, your employee schedule and software is located over in the cloud, and that means that there's no additional IT costs that you've got to worry about. And then there's always free training. There's free tech support and free system software updates. So if you want to try this out for your system, go check it out. There's a free customizable trial of EMS Manager. You can get it at emsmanager.net. I want to thank EMS Manager for sponsoring EMS Office Hours and the other shows from the ProMed Network. EMS Manager is proud to support EMS providers and managers through this sponsorship, and they support what we do. Go show your support for them, guys. Take a few minutes and sign up. Go get a free trial at emsmanager.net. Show them that you appreciate their support by trying out the software. Visit emsmanager.net. It's a LATEX EMS Manager. It's for online employee scheduling and workforce management. And don't forget, if you do try it out, Make sure you tell them that you heard it here on EMS Office Hour and that Jim and Josh sent you on over. This is paramedic Greg Fries from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and Center Learn Solutions, the EMS Educast, and Everyday EMS Tips. You're listening to EMS Office Hours with my good friend Jim Hoffman. Enjoy. All right. I love Greg's, Greg's plug. My, mm. favorite, my favorite part. Your good friend. My good Your friend. good friend. Yeah, let me yeah, something. Thank God for the internet and podcasting and stuff. And I wouldn't have met half the people that I've met um, in EMS. Uh, You'd still be alone in your cabin in the woods. I'd still be alone in my making, underground bunker. Yeah, you know, making little packages. Making little packages. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what I wanted to ask, and Dave, uh, you had mentioned this before. I want to get your opinion on this, too. When you talk about uh, one of the first lines of, of, uh, of getting the education mandated, what you say about, you know, which is a great, great idea and I'm 100% you know, for it, is get, you know, anybody coming in to have to have an associate's degree um, and that legislation, you know, is, is the key to that. And do you think that you talk about and that you brought up an important port, point about it, they know that people are voting for them that they're going to listen to the voters to do what what they they want to do. Now, do you don't you feel on the same aspect of that that the public perception of what we do and getting the public involved in what we're capable of and uh, what we're paid and what we face every day would get the public involved and in insisting as well that that should be something that should be mandated. You know, yeah. so that the public is, is also pushing for us to get ahead because they realize that these people that are showing up to their houses for their chest pain, their, their stroke, their, you know, unresponsive loved one or whatever the case may be, 
you know, they're relying on these these people to Isn't the fire have department the best, right? have the best education possible. I think the public would want it. I don't. I think that's a no-brainer. But don't you think that there's a lot of a lot of power behind the volunteer agencies and behind uh, the local EMS agencies to sort of kind of squash that and say, oh no no, but we have got these volunteers and they do X amount of hours of training per year to stay on top of everything they need to stay on top of, and they know everything that you know the. Someone who might have, who might go to a two-year degree program would know. They know the same information. They know the they know the same skill, the same technique. So don't worry about it. You know, it's just a you know, it's just it's just a degree. You know, it's just a, just something that that they're trying to, you know, push us. People may say a lot of things, and uh, maybe they'll be volunteers. Maybe they won't. I had the uh, unique opportunity of trying to do. To defend a, uh, a protocol that we set up in Suffolk County that if an agency couldn't get out, that they should call the next agency very quickly. We put a timeline on it instead of waiting, you know, 20 minutes. And now nobody came, then call the next agency. And, that, right. and it was it was appealed by a group of uh, EMS agencies. I'm not going to tell you their names. No, but literally, okay. literally, we're not looking. Right. Yeah, up, up in New York, it was appealed all the way up to the commissioner who finally said, no, you, you got to deal with this. Um, they actually said, uh, our folks don't care how long it takes for an ambulance to show up. And, and I said, uh, and, and you asked them that? You asked everybody, is, is, you know, you guys don't mind if it takes us 15, 20 minutes to get there? And of course, they, they couldn't say that. They, they said what they wanted to say. Uh, yeah. And there will be people saying that their education is as good as the person who gets an associate, but that's nonsense. The person who, for the most part, for the most part, the person who goes through the most academics with with the greatest structure and greatest standards will will be the person who's most knowledgeable and most skillful. Um, that's what I think. But I'm going to tell you, Dave. You know, I, I mean, I put this argument numerous times on Facebook, and I joined in arguments in forums uh, as well and, and stuff when it comes to this sort of. Um, you know, this, this, uh, these talking points when you talk about the higher education and things like that. And, and you get people who will immediately get their back up and start saying about how much training that they have and how many calls that they go on and, and how special they are and how great their volley agency is or how great their squad is because they make them do this training and that they're just as professional as the guy with the bachelor's degree or just as professional as the guy who gets paid. And it's not a point, I think, that about being professional, you know, it, it, it's it's a it's the, the 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 profession. It's the the industry that we're trying to make better. It's not the individual person that we're arguing. I think that they are professional. I think that volunteers can be just as professional as the paid people, and you know, and, and people that are paid can be just as skelly and, and unprofessional <laughs> as as some of the the you volunteers that you encounter, you know. Let me. I have to break in here and and say that I I get you know Dave and I have had the pleasure of uh, a number of hours of conversation around this topic and I know you know you and you and I too Jim and I think that where we keep on sort of butting heads and I know Dave that you are a proponent of you know if you take the lead others will follow and if we get together and make the standard or somehow raise the standard of education required, that somehow along that line 
better pay will follow that. And, and I really have to sort of say that we need to disconnect or uncouple that argument with the aspect of pay. Because I think that what we will do is we'll have better trained EMS, and I think it's very important for our professional, uh, for how we're viewed professionally to have better educated EMS. Because keep in mind, we have a continuous battle not only with our public perception, but with our industry perception of who we are when we enter those hospital doors, how much we've done, what, what sort of interventions we're capable of, what medical knowledge we, we possess. And then we have the other argument of how we are treated professionally on a job, uh, on a job level where are we paid enough so you can work one job. And I think that if we disconnect those two arguments, I think that you begin to see that they really work independently, meaning that if we come across and you get a better education, it doesn't necessarily trans uh, translate to better income. Uh, maybe. I just, just as a point with volunteers, I just throw a few things in to think about. Uh, I, I work, on, as I said, on a volunteer ambulance, and I've got, and I've got, um... That's them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah call as a matter of fact, it is, but I'm not answering. <laughs> right. uh, Why are you talking about us? <laughs> right. But, but, Shut um, up! What do you say? Some of the people I volunteer with, not necessarily in my agency. By the way, the next one is a brick through the window, Dave. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm down in the bunker. Our right. um, uh, docs and nurses. You notice that docs and nurses volunteer to be on an ambulance. They're not volunteering to work. It's interesting, don't you think? How about that? When I, I, I can, I have a good friend, Carl. Uh, he is the, uh, he was an attending physician in the emergency room. Uh, before he became a physician, I, he worked his way through college. He was a paramedic. He's, you know, he's board certified emergency medicine and, and he's a volunteer. And this is something I, I, that I, I kind of um, alluded to in the uh, the show comments, the show notes as well, was was that while you do have people like that who will volunteer or even get paid part-time, and they might be a doctor or a nurse or maybe a police officer or a firefighter or whatever the case may be, you know, can, at the same time that we talk about how they might be hurting us or, hurt or holding back you know the the industry to a point as well. Can't they also, in a lot of ways, also even be enriching the the profession by bringing other you know viewpoints into what goes on? You know, um, you know the doctor bringing his point of view and what you know, knowing what he sees beyond the ambulance doors, or the nurse knowing what she sees, and you know what I'm saying. I mean. It, can those those types of people be be helping us a little bit, um, or even be able to be a voice for us when the time comes that we do need a voice in other industries that are similar to ours? Well, I think they can, but uh, we we need the voice now. Yeah, we needed it. We needed it five years ago. Probably our best opportunity, quite frankly, was twelve years ago. Um, why we well, what occurred 12 years ago? It was 2001. Oh, 
Please, sleep in Josh. No, no, I mean, I'm just, yeah, you know, just. I left I it out there to figure out, right. Right, right. But there, there was, I, I was, was no that, I, I would sort of think that the, the real time uh, would have been um, close to 33 years ago, you know, when uh, EMS was decentralized. I didn't, care about it, I didn't care about it 33 years ago. I, I, well, I understand that. But, you know, if we keep on, we can look back in time and say, you know, when was the optimal time to, to, to make a change? I didn't care about the EMS crap. But there was a there was, there was a essential part that happened, and I think that what we face is you know you don't only face the volunteer agencies guys when you're talk about you know changing, changing the standards yeah. or anything. There's a lot. There's a lot the of fire departments, yeah, the healthcare, absolutely. the the hospitals, everybody who has a finger in EMS, and that's part of that's part of the problem. That's not part of the solution. Part of the problem is we're so fractured across the country. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous enough that I can't go and jump on an ambulance where you are, Jim, or, or where you are, Dave, and just ride, that I have to be vetted out, you know, and, and uh, pass a different set of Everywhere you uh, go, certifications, that protocols. But this is, why is that? There's no, there's no part of logic to that unless you step back and say, wait a second, you know, the thing that we're not thinking about and the thing that w is the thing that would never cross our minds because who would care as long as we're practicing good medicine? But the truth is, is each one of these areas, each one of these, you know, uh, regions. zones, regions, is a different fiefdom, has a different medical director, has a different set of hierarchy. And they get their stickers on their car and their little ID badges and, you know, Hey, I'm I'm chief of uh, EMS. Different, uh, you know, different um, goals too, and and how EMS hurts or helps them. Listen, you know, Dave, you and I were talking about this a, a while, and you were educating me about the the various fire districts and how many chiefs we had in Long Island and some of the things that that ran into. And for every one of these fire districts on Long Island, isn't there a separate EMS? Or, you know, how does that exactly work? Well, it's not quite that simple, but there are, for example, in, in Suffolk County, I believe there are, uh, I think there's approximately 110, I might be off, maybe there's only 98 fire districts. And for each of the fire districts, for the most part, there are five fire commissioners and there are three to four chiefs. Not every fire department on Long Island has um an ambulance, an EMS agency attached to it, and there are a couple of just plain, ordinary VACs, Volunteer Ambulance Corps. I, I do want to point, point something out, um, and, and I think the public doesn't know it. Um, the, the volunteer system that we have for fire and ambulance does not, does not save the public any money. <laughs> the people who are doing it are very good. They're coming from the right place. There's a special right. place in heaven for them. But, uh, um, for example, in, in the town of Islip, which is, there are 10 towns in Suffolk County. In the town of Islip, we spend approximately, you guys are sitting down, right, Jim? Yeah. Jim? Jim, $70 million. Ah, dropping a bucket. A year. <laughs> a year. You know how many firefighter one paramedics you could, you could hire with $70 million? Right. Well, and me and Jim, right? 
You and Jim. Right. If you're at the if you're at the end of the line, you're going to be in New Mexico, because <laughs> that's how many would line up to work here if we paid them sixty six thousand dollars a year cash and thirty three thousand dollars a year benefits. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year, and even at a hundred thousand dollars per person, seventy million dollars buys a lot of that. Sure. Right. So I don't think we're saving money. I think the volunteers are good people. I think that you know. It's a word that we don't like to use on Long Island, not not for uh, the fire departments. They don't like to use it for the for the schools. Consolidation of uh, of resources. People uh, don't want to hear about that. We, you know, we could, if I don't think had... it's that they don't want to hear about it, Dave. I think that there are the the avenues to let them know to educate them are blocked. I don't think that the the fire uh, houses that maybe or uh, you know or even the volunteer agencies that may get uh, independent money want the public to know that. They want to think that they're providing an essential service and they better keep the funds rolling. There's going to have to be some real selfless acts here in order to consolidate. I think most of the volunteers have no idea. The volunteers know. Yes, they're volunteering because they want to do good things. Right. They don't care for the community. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think they realize, for the most part, that they're, that our system, which evolved, if we were going to start a system today in Suffolk County um, from scratch, from scratch, would we invent 110 different fire departments with 550 commissioners, 330 fire chiefs, frequencies that can't talk to each other, uh, disaggregation of resources, would we do that if we were starting from scratch today with the need that we know? And I think the answer is clearly no. And I don't think we would make school districts the way we make them. Uh, but people move to, long, to, to school districts. For those that are really good school districts, that's where you want your kids to go. Yeah. And, and people are willing to pay extra taxes for that. But I don't think people have any idea how much they're paying for uh, ambulance and fire service. No. Because they're just services. First of all, we're young. We're services that they expect but they don't really know how they get there. I mean, you know, it, I, I remember uh, friends looking upstate in, in some rural areas, and the concern at the place was not always the school district because it wasn't their primary residence, but was the fire uh, service like? And so, you know, but who goes to an area and says, well, what's the health care like? What's the, what's the EMS like? You need to when you need when you need <laughs> hey when you need a, a hospital if you're living near uh, you know a, one of those community community hospitals the tertiary hospital the hospital where they knock at the door and they wake up the doc at night minute yeah. clinic yeah yeah I mean if you're living there and even if you're living in the lap of luxury it's your summer home if that's where you get delivered at night when you're and you're still forty fifty miles away from the nearest trauma center or a medical center or cath lab, it's a big difference. I mean, oh, yeah. You, you guys are working in New York City. You almost can't throw a rock without hitting the cath lab. But uh, we have no, great... it's true, though, because it'd be, I, I, I guess some people, you know, are aware of it. I mean, I've seen people who say that, oh, you know, that they're aware that the hospital is so far away, but I guess they they look at their their own, you know, condition, their own physical condition. I guess people that are... That are Sickly or have you know risk factors for something are probably more likely to say I need to be 
Those are you know what? They're not. I don't think they're any more likely to say, Jim. I think that it's a matter of public education, and the question is, how do we get well, the public educated? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's a whole other thing, too. And I think you're right, Josh, because I think, I mean, you get people all the time. How many times do you go get to people's houses and you say, well, you, they want to go to one hospital, and you say, well, you know, I think we should go to this hospital because they can really help you better. And they're like, what do you mean? And my hospital doesn't do that there. They have, like, no clue that they're their favorite hospital doesn't handle, you know, um, a broken bone even, or doesn't handle, you know, like you said, a cat doesn't have a cath lab or may not be a stroke center or something. You know, they're not even aware of it. They just think that every hospital is a hospital and they can, they, they can do everything there for me. So what do we do? Do we pass around a hat and take up a collection to buy an ad in, in the local paper? Um, maybe those not. Are, <laughs> those are expensive. This is, a, this is a very complicated a issue. No shit. And I, yeah. I think the, the volunteers are only a small part of it. I don't think Absolutely. the volunteers are. I don't they're think not, they're. E not, I don't think we're evil. No, no, they're not the root. Of, they're not the root of all evil by any means. You know, no. and and that's the thing. You know, we constantly get on this topic, and we always have to sort of backpedal a little bit. We. It sounds like we're rushing volunteers. We are not. We, you know, both Jim and I started as volunteers. I'm still a volunteer, although I work paid as well. And, you know, there's a great deal of good stuff that happens. But the problem is, is as much as the good stuff that happens and helps us start out, there is an aspect that it, it appears, and I don't want to, and it is complicated, but there is the appearance that there is something holding back the profession. Yeah. Listen, we, guys, we're going to have to end it there. We only have about two minutes left, so I don't want to um, get on off on another topic, and then we have to kind of, you know, hang up on each right. other. So, um, Dave, I just want to thank you for, for joining us again. Oh, it's a pleasure. This I, love, means I love your opinions, and, and just love having another person to kind of bounce things off of. Sometimes Josh and I are always on the same page a lot of times, and we find ourselves sitting here agreeing with each other for an hour, and, you know, not uh, getting another another opinion, and even though, you know, even well, if you agree, with pretty much whatever, agreeing with us as well. Yeah, so. but I think, but it's, it's also important that we get another, even even though it's agreement, there's another sort of viewpoint angle to it. You know what I mean? Which I think is important for people to look at. And I, we always and we always encourage people listening to call in during the show and to to join the chat room and to send us emails on their opinions and their angle on it as well, so we can kind of bring it to light. During the, during the show, you know, as well. So I uh, just want to thank you for that, Dave. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure. If you find somebody who wants to lead this fight, let me know. <laughs> I know. I know. If they write in and say, hey, I'll do it, I'll go organize everybody, yeah. I'll get a state legislator for you, I'll help with the legislation, I well, can do that. Well, I have to, maybe we'll have to figure a way to do that, maybe. Josh, um, would it start here, the movement? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it did. We don't know it yet. Yeah, I know. That's true. All right, Josh, uh, anything you want to talk about? Do you want to end with anything, Josh? Before we, no, uh, I'm just looking uh, forward. To, I, I just want to thank Dave again because, uh, I, uh, you know, I found a kindred spirit, and I'm really glad that you've decided to join us. I know this is important to you, too. So, uh, you know, let's just keep this the conversation rolling. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, Jim, Josh, I'm thinking of changing my name to John or uh, Jake or... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I love these conversations. I'll be here as often as I can, as often as you'll let me. Sure. And, uh, uh, you guys do a great job. This is this is a terrific service to the profession. 
Well, we like to think so. We try. Oh, I'm sure. I am sure. We try. All right. Um, all right, guys, that's it. Uh, I guess have a great weekend. Uh, maybe we'll see everybody next weekend. All right. Take Thanks. it easy, Jim. Stay you, safe. You too, folks. Thank you. All right. All right. That's it for us. Um, as always, Jim Hoffman for EMS Office Hours. Uh, stay safe.